Hey there, it's Scott Fox. It's time to inspire you on to greater entrepreneurial success. Are you a small business owner? Do you have a startup idea? Are you a founder of a startup or a partner or an employee of a startup that, well, hasn't gone public yet? Let's put it that way. The media likes to make it sound like it's easy to be an entrepreneur, but I'm here to help you. I'm here to tell you it's not. Let's be realistic about this. Being an entrepreneur is hard and I'm here to see if I can help you get through it just a little bit easier. Help you work a little smarter and a little not so harder <laughs> so on your road to click millionaire success. That's why I write my books, Internet Riches, Click Millionaires, E-Riches 2.0. That's why I've been running the Masterminds Forum at mastermindsforum.com all the way since 2009. I've been doing this to help folks like you with the real blocking and tackling of what needs to happen to help you build your own lifestyle business. Why? Well, because mostly the media makes this sound easy. So many other books are full of sort of airy-fairy, get-rich-quick promises, or they're too detailed so that they don't apply to your situation. I'm here right in the middle, hopefully the happy medium, the sweet spot, and I'm going to share with you today a bunch of actual questions and answers from a recent Masterminds forum group that I hosted. I do this regularly in real life, and uh, as well as in the forum online, like I said. So if you want to participate in this kind of thing, mastermindsforum.com is the place. And I'd be happy to work with you directly, personally there, as I do with my readers and listeners from all over the world, and I have been doing for many years. But I also do it in person. I started doing it in person recently, and we've had some fantastic sessions where real entrepreneurs, folks come in and we get 30, 40 people in a room and we share questions and answers. What are the problems you're facing? What are the obstacles? And the other folks, we all chime in. I facilitate the discussions and we come up with some amazing and very helpful answers. So hopefully by listening today, this will help you as well. Now, what do I get out of this? Well, hopefully a review. How about a review or a share with a friend? Just go over to iTunes and leave a review about this show and let people know that it's been helpful to you. I donate the profits from my books and my masterminds forum and groups to charity. We just gave another college scholarship to a young woman uh, just last month. And I'm doing this because I honestly want to help people and I don't see enough people, uh, people like me who have experience, sharing in the real world. Not just holding big conferences and speeches, the sage on the stage, you know, the guy gets on stage and tells you why he's so much smarter than you are, <laughs> not that kind of stuff. I mean the real blocking and tackling. What are the actual issues facing your business? So today we're going to talk about some of those, and they include topics like these. How to reinvent your career using social media and personal branding. How a founder can attract more people and repeat users to an online community. How to fire an employee or intern who is underperformed and not get in legal trouble. How to recreate the personal touch of a business that has historically been personality-based, a service business, so that it can scale better by taking advantage of online tools instead of having to meet everybody face-to-face. -face. How to work with startups as an advisor or a mentor in exchange for equity, but without either side getting screwed. Or what's the best state to incorporate your new startup idea in? Things like this. These are the basic questions that real-life entrepreneurs have had in a real-life masterminds group that I hosted recently, and I'm going to share those all with you. If that sounds interesting to you, well, I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate an email from you, radio at scottfox.com, radio at scottfox.com. If you have a question that you'd like answered, or if you could pay me back, please. I'm not going to do any marketing for this. I don't have time to do both the marketing and the sharing. So if you do the sharing... I'll do the content, okay? <laughs> and here you go. All right, so let's start with a question. 
about marketing a personal services business. We have a lot of these folks in the world, of course, people who have built nice businesses, but it's based around their individual personality. How are you going to market a business and grow it if traditionally all you've done is go out and meet people face to face? So this is true of, uh, for example, like insurance brokers or accountants, many attorneys, uh, doctors even, um, all sorts of businesses, painters, uh, dry clean, well, maybe not dry cleaners so much, but folks like that, uh, massage therapists, all kinds of people who are reliant on personal service and have trouble growing their businesses so that they can make more money. They're limited by the number of people that they can meet. And often, the core of their business has been their personal approach. They get to know people. They get to know their kids. They get to financial planners, people like that. You know, they get to know folks, and it's hard for them to grow those businesses um, and take advantage of online tools. So this was a question that a, a woman brought to our group, and actually, she's an accountant. And previously, all her business has been done through word-of-mouth referrals. So relationships have been what have led to her client growth for her, but she wants to figure out how to emulate that personal touch and add value, but do it online. So her target audience was the first question or, or the first solution that our group had. So what I'm offering to you today is uh, my commentary as well as the contributions from the many other people in our masterminds group. So if you've never been in a masterminds group, that's how it works. Somebody brings a question and everyone discusses it and tries to help the person that's in the hot seat. So the hot seat question is how to grow this business. And some, here are some of the solutions. I'm going to share this with you. And of course, your feedback is welcome at uh, radio at scottfox.com or come and join the Masterminds Forum. Like I said, mastermindsforum.com. So here's some of the solutions that we had for her to grow her accounting business, which had traditionally always grown just through word of mouth. And she wants to keep growing, but maintain the personal touch. So the first suggestion was that she define her target audience more closely. And you can do this too. Who is your target audience specifically? Male, female, age range, education level, income. Is there a certain geography or a certain uh, religious, political, hobby, ethnic background that applies to them? That will help you get a good idea of who your ideal customer is. And when we talk about ideal, we're not just talking about who you can make the most money from, although that's important, but it's also a question of lifestyle. Who do you like to spend your time with, right? You don't necessarily want to get 100 more customers if those customers are all a pain in the ass, right? Those are the customers you want, even if they are profitable. So the suggestion is instead to target people that you like to spend time with. Who are your favorite kind of customers? And of course, the money can play into that. The most profitable customers are nice, but the ones that are easy and fun and that can help you scale the business most easily. So who are your best customers? Define that way, money and ease and enjoyment. Then, what are the three top challenges that face those folks? What are the questions you consistently get? Those are the types of um, issues that you want to address and build your marketing around because you know that there are people out there asking those questions on a recurring basis. Those people match your target both in terms of financial and lifestyle and then you can build some content around that. Uh, for example, especially small business owners are often looking for accounting help, right? This is uh, this example was this lady was a, it is an accountant and she's looking for small business owners. So a great thing to do for them is save them time. The trick is to always offer them um, your services as a solution, right? You're a solutions provider. So what are the solutions and the top three issues that they always need help with? They want to save time for sure. 
How about organization? You can help them be more organized because this is your career, right? You are a professional accountant or attorney or uh, car detailer or whatever the personal service is that you're offering. You can offer them maintenance and follow through, things that they will forget. You can offer them, and what you really might be selling is to save time and offer peace of mind. Those are all nice benefits. So the idea is that you offer benefits, not just features, right? So in the accounting context, you might not just want to be selling um, that you'll file their taxes every year, but you're offering them peace of mind by knowing that their taxes were filed correctly and that you'll help them with the organization and the estimated tax payments and the filings so that they can sleep better at night and hopefully make more money. That sort of maintenance and organization and follow-through saves them time and gives them peace of mind. Now more specifically to the online world, uh, the Masterminds group really thought that using video would be helpful. A way to share these uh, solutions would be through a series of videos. So you can easily see that, right? Um, posting on YouTube, and that would give the service provider, in this case a woman, her opportunity to also express her personality. So videos sound like a real winner. Uh, figure out what type of clients you want most. Is there an underserved market? And then put yourself on camera and be the friendly person that you are and build your personal brand about being a friendly solutions provider. A series of three or five videos would make fantastic uh, keyword rich content for YouTube which means that you may start to rank for the people looking for those sorts of questions and solutions when they search on Google. Your video might start coming up. Video traditionally ranks very well in the search engine results because guess what? Google owns YouTube. <laughs> and then you can start to use that same content as blog posts or maybe as fodder for a series of email newsletters and things like that. Another example or tactic that people suggested was to um, think about your personal branding. What can differentiate you from your competition? And use that as the cornerstone of the personal branding that you're presenting on your website and in your videos. If you really want to have relationships with your clients, well then present yourself as friendly and caring. Share the story of why you do what you do. Make it personal. If that's what you're trying to do, then be personal yourself. Another angle is to get testimonial videos from your existing clients about why they like you and what you do that's beyond what would normally be expected for people in your industry. So we love this accountant because she's so friendly. She remembers our kids' birthdays. We've been with her for years. Our taxes have always been filed on time. We recommend you go to her website. Here it is, <laughs> that kind of thing. That sort of approach can roll together your personal branding, the relationship-based approach, and help you identify and solve the problems of the exact kind of clients that you'd most like to meet. A summary might be to identify your end goal. Who do you want and work backwards from that to target those people now by offering them solutions to the problems that they most often face. Alright, that's question number one. Was that helpful? Please let me know. Radio at scottfox.com radio at scottfox.com or even better come leave a review uh, someplace where other people can see it <laughs> I'd really appreciate it so that we can keep doing these for you if I don't hear from folks then I'll stop doing it believe me I got plenty of other things to do but this is an honest effort to try to help okay next up our next question was from uh, a gentleman and uh, this gentleman let's call him Fred Fred is a senior sort of person. He's more of a startup mentor or even investor or advisor. Uh, 
this kind of person. So he's not uh, the entrepreneur. He's the person who can help the entrepreneur. Now, Fred came to us with this problem, and we had a great discussion about it in the Masterminds group, because he's very enthusiastic about new projects. But he finds that it's difficult to negotiate a fair deal with the entrepreneurs. He would like to help more people, but he wants to uh, participate, but without scaring them by giving them some big, scary legal documentation. So we had an extensive discussion, extensive discussion about the various merits of being an equity participant, meaning that the uh, founders of the company would give him some stock versus revenue sharing, meaning that they would just share some of the cash, or they could just pay him a consulting sort of fee, um, or uh, a finder's fee. These are all classic ways of uh, compensating advisors to an early stage company. He could also join an advisory board if they have such a thing. An advisory board is different than a board of directors. A board of directors is more of a formal organization that has official oversight of a corporation. An advisory board is more, well, not casual, but less formal uh, and not so official in the law, but it's a collection of people who might be receiving some sort of compensation or participation in the company in exchange for their advice, introductions, mentoring, um, fundraising, those kinds of things, consulting style work. So Fred could approach this company or companies in the future um, with uh, these kind of roles in mind with this kind of business model attached. The trick is that he was really looking for a way to document this in kind of a casual one-page letter. And we had some attorneys in the crowd, and this is not legal advice, but this is sort of, um, uh, we hope you think this is interesting advice <laughs> that came up. And the short answer is there is no easy way to do this. Every deal is a little bit different. The pressure points or sensitivities of each founder are a little different. But it's better to have at least something in writing than nothing. Even if it's just an email between you that says, hey, I'm looking forward to working with you. I appreciate that 5% uh, of the company you're going to give me. See you on Tuesday for lunch. Love, Fred. Something like that. You need something in writing. If you have nothing in writing, you will never get anywhere. And I can speak to this from personal experience, as a matter of fact, on both sides of the coin. Um, you need something in writing. Now, if you're going to try to do a legal document, it's probably going to lead to a lawyer getting involved pretty quickly, unfortunately. But on the good side, there are certainly many, many forms available if you use Google and search for one of those different types of agreements. So let me slow down and say those again before we get on to our next Masterminds question. So you might look for an advisory board agreement. You might look for a consulting agreement. You might look for an um, equity participation agreement or a revenue sharing agreement or a finder's fee agreement. Those are all different phrases that might be used for different types of sharing money with someone who's advising your company in exchange for their services. So sharing money or sharing stock. I should also note, by the way, that uh, it's common for early stage entrepreneurs to just give pieces of their company to uh, outside investors or advisors early on because they don't know any better. Anyone, even your best friend, if you guys are going to partner that's great uh, if you truly are going to have an equal participation in the company going forward. But in most cases, uh, outside the initial founding team, any other equity is shared on a vesting basis. So the people have to earn it. So you wouldn't just say, even if you loved Fred you would, and you, you were certain he was going to earn 10% of your company for whatever advisory services he was offering, you would share that out. 
and it's called vesting and you would say over the next X amount of time say two years three years four years we're gonna give you 10% of the company but that's only dependent on you continuing to perform these sort of duties consistently to our satisfaction until then and it will vest proportionally over that time so if it was uh, over 10 months you might get 1% each month but only presuming that he had continued to deliver on what he had promised. And that's a really important point for both parties because it, it leads to a discussion of what's expected and what's required in order to participate in the company. And again, that's another great topic for further discussion at the Masterminds Forum if you'd like to come over and discuss that. Okay, two down. We've got about uh, four or five more to go here. Next question was about uh, incorporation. Where should a new company incorporate? Now, I've talked many times about when to incorporate, so I'm going to skip over that for now. If you want uh, to hear more about that, email me or come join the forum or check out my old podcast. I think there's some articles online uh, about when you should incorporate because I'm actually against incorporating in most situations. So that's worth a separate discussion. But today we're just going to talk about where because we had one of our entrepreneurs in the group uh, who had recently incorporated, was very excited about his new company, and gone and incorporated in um, Wyoming. And that's kind of a surprise. I've never met anyone who incorporated anything in Wyoming, uh, at least for a, a startup sort of company, right? Um, the his logic was that he had been informed by some folks that that uh, was an he, he was going to do it. He did an LLC, which is a limited liability company, not a C corporation or a general corporation, but it was low cost, and the tax rates in Wyoming were supposed to be quite good. Now that was a little bit of a surprise. Um, nobody in the group had ever heard of that before, and we had. 30 plus people there including a couple of practicing attorneys <laughs> and uh, everyone kind of was raised their eyebrows at that so uh, to cut to the chase uh, it was kind of kicked around a bit uh, Nevada was discussed as an alternative people do do it in Nevada um, but is not as common as either California or Delaware and um, California was not recommended by one again this is not legal advice you should <laughs> talk to your own attorneys but in this context uh, an attorney there did not recommend LLCs in California um, uh, and uh, it was too expensive I gather uh, any corporation that does business in California must register and pay taxes in California regardless so even if you register somewhere else California is going to put their hooks into you um, and this meeting took place in California so that was a common thing um, to incorporate in California and of course, Silicon Valley is here, as a lot of the uh, venture capital firms are as well. So California is quite common, but there are some ins and outs you should be aware of. Um, the bottom line is that Delaware is the number one choice, at least if you expect your company to grow and raise venture capital. And that was the case here. So there may be different choices. If you're a small business, you're self-employed, um, you only expect to uh, raise a little money just from friends, or you know you don't expect the company to grow uh, beyond a certain point, and you're not going to need to raise millions in venture capital. But if you're going to raise professional money, meaning from professional investors, um, then you probably want to incorporate in Delaware was the verdict. It has the most defined and predictable case law, and that's the number one. Why it's the number one recommendation from the attorneys in, that were there that evening, um, because it's more favorable to the company. The laws of the state of Delaware allow a company to get the most favorable treatment from in uh, if it ever gets into a wrestling match with its investors. So that would be the answer there. Not Wyoming. Uh, incorporate in Delaware instead. 
Okay, and again, not legal advice, but uh, perhaps food for thought. Let's put it that way. I'm Scott Fox. You're listening to the latest recap of my Masterminds meetings, and I hope you're enjoying this. We're going to move on now to a next question about um, how to fire somebody. <laughs> this is a good one and has uh, probably come up in everybody's life from at least one point of view or another, either as the boss or as an employee, or you've seen or known somebody who's gotten fired or should have been fired. And that was the that was the uh, topic here, and uh, Troy was his name, and Troy had a startup and recently had a person who joined uh, for the summer, essentially, and they specifically didn't, it was an unpaid position, and he was worried, however, that this person was going to come in and had been doing kind of nothing, but still may make a claim on owning some of the business. So they specifically had not called him an intern, um, and Instead, we're calling him a part-time helper, uh, trying to hide the fact that he was doing free work, essentially. So they were worried about how, how to fire this guy clear, cleanly, because he didn't do much. Um, he had claimed to be able to do this and that and the other, but once they agreed that he could come and hang out in the office and help them, he didn't really do anything. So, what can you do about that? Um, this is risky. Anyone who's involved in participating in a startup, or any other company for that matter, has some right to claim compensation. Even if they're a student, uh, if they're doing it for free, especially without any credit, they're not getting what's called consideration in the law. There are a lot of labor laws and things like that that really suggest that's not a good idea. It used to happen more, but um, it's just gotten, especially in high growth environments, you don't want people around who don't have a clearly documented contractual relationship with the company. And so this guy was kind of floating around there, and uh, Troy is worried about how to get rid of him cleanly. The answer is anybody can sue you anytime in America. God bless America. <laughs> Plenty of lawyers. Um, so no matter what they do, they may have a problem. By even allowing the guy in and having any sort of relationship via emails and you know people know him in the office and stuff, he could later claim that he had some involvement. Of course, if it goes to court, he'd have to prove that. And without something in writing, that will be hard. So the burden of proof is on him, but he can still sue and cause a lot of trouble. So the best thing you can do in a situation like this is get something in writing. Now, since they didn't have anything in writing at inception when he started that said, here are your duties, and for that you're going to get X, Y, and Z, um, and they didn't limit his role or his participation in the company, they need to do it on the exit, right? So they've got to put something down and basically say, ideally, I, the, uh, the, <laughs> the lazy intern, agree that I have been here for a while, but I'm not getting anything, and I didn't earn anything, and I'm leaving happily, and I will never sue you. Like, you want something like that, again, not legal advice, but something written a little more formally that you get the guy to sign. Now, even asking him to sign that can raise the question, because then he'll go, oh, he could go, maybe I have a claim here. Huh, I don't want to sign that. And then you've actually opened a can of worms, because now he thinks he maybe does have a claim. So the other thing to do and this depends a lot on the personalities involved and how close you are to this individual, right? If they're a family friend or a relative or something, this can get awkward quickly, and that's why it's so important to document it first, up front instead. But the other thing to do is just to send a letter and or an email, the more formal the better, that says in a friendly way, Hey, lazy intern, it was great working with you. Uh, we're now considering your involvement with our company at an end, and you should go on about your life 
uh, and recognize that you have no further involvement with us or any claims whatsoever on uh, the company or it owing you anything at all. <laughs> Again, that's my off-the-cuff wording, but you would want to probably consult an attorney or at least Google around online and find some language that you could mimic that sounded legal. And then you just send it to him. And um, maybe you can get like a return receipt uh, from certified mail or something like that, or even on an email, something like that, so that you can claim we put him on notice. And that way, at least there is something in writing that establishes for a court, if it ever came to that, for the court, that this was the understanding. And then the burden is much more on him. It's an uphill battle for him to prove otherwise. Okay. So let's see, that was that one, and I hope that was interesting to you. We're about halfway through here. You're listening to Scott Fox and the Masterminds Recap Show. If you like this, would you help me market it? Just tell a few friends, and uh, that way I'll keep doing it. All right, so I'm looking at my notes here. We have one, two more. Let's see, which of these is interesting as our next? Okay, so this next one was Roger had a question about a company he's starting, and I don't want to get too specific, but basically he was starting an online community or an education resource, really, to encourage uh, people to learn about networking. Networking, You know, the idea that you go out and you meet people and make friends, and that leads to job opportunities and career options for you, that kind of idea. So his idea was to encourage people to learn about networking. Now, he was having a chicken and an egg problem because he'd beat, built the website, but he wasn't getting much participation. So how do you get more t participation in a um, new community so that people will become repeat users when they don't recognize necessarily, they don't, haven't heard of your community, and they don't recognize necessarily what you're selling? So... Ideas from the group, I'm sorry if that's a little vague, I'm just trying to protect his idea because it was an interesting one. Um, but the problem he's trying to overcome is that there was little awareness in the community that he's targeting of what networking is or the value of networking. Um, people in his target audience weren't aware, for example, much of the value of LinkedIn.com or Meetup.com or Eventbrite or these other uh, sort of websites that aggregate um, opportunities for people to meet each other in professional contexts. So um, he had mostly been trying just to put posters around in the neighborhoods where these people were and wasn't getting much traction. So here are some questions that the audience asked, and I think you'll agree they were good questions. Um, first, how is what you're doing better than Facebook or Meetup? Um, have you looked at what they're doing in other organizations that are trying to convince people that networking is an advantage, and he had not. Um, and he didn't have a good answer about Facebook or Meetup either. So it boiled down to what's the biggest pain point that this target audience has? Do they really see a problem here, or are you trying to invent a problem and then sell them a solution? This is the old um, adage that one of my mentors taught me years ago. It's easier to sell vi uh, sorry, it's easier to sell aspirin than vitamins, right? You can have a great idea all day about what people should do, right? You should take these vitamins. But unless I actually have a problem that that vitamin is going to help me with, then why would I take it? I'm busy. I got other stuff going on, right? And it probably costs money, right? And money and time at least. 
So if I have a headache, okay, I'll buy your aspirin because I've got a headache. Help me solve that problem. But if you're just selling things that, trying to change behavior and sell things that people may not actually need, that's tough. That's tough. So the value proposition he was suggesting was that he had better user interfaces, that they would pick good events and show them all the best events so that people would want to come. But I think he had skipped right over the idea that people understood that they should go to events. So another suggestion was that people need to, again, this is kind of what we talked about earlier with the uh, marketing of the account, and you want to present the benefits, not just the features. You know, you don't want to say, we have the most event listings. Okay, that doesn't help me. I don't care. But I, we have more events that can help you get a job or get a raise or get a better job, that kind of thing. That's what networking is about. Is it a good idea from the point of view of the target customer? How are you going to help them solve that headache problem? Just trying to educate them about the value of something is tough, but offering them a tangible benefit by participating is a lot better. And you really have to look at the competition when you're look, talking about online uh, networking things uh, like Facebook or offline like Meetup. And um, doing that research first is a key idea um, to find out both what other people are doing and what they're not doing so that you can find the holes in their approach and hopefully do something better. All right, one more, and uh, the show will be over. So we're working on our Masterminds Group Recap. I'm Scott Fox. Thanks for tuning in. You can learn more about me if this is your first time. Go to scottfox.com. That's Scott with two Ts, F-O-X.com. And, of course, the mastermindsforum.com is the place where I do this, uh, and me and other folks from all over the world, we help entrepreneurs and startup owners all the time with questions like these. So our final question for today is, uh, let's see... So we had a gentleman, a middle-aged gentleman, who was trying to reinvent himself. He was trying to reinvent himself, and um, let's see how to summarize this. Okay, so he has a lot of experience in an industry where he would like to go out and teach people about marketing and social media and branding and personal branding. And he wants to reinvent himself as an expert in those fields. And he came to us trying to figure out how he could find a co-founder to start a company. To start a company about this where he would be able to exercise his expertise in teaching other people how to brand themselves and public relations, um, a suite of services, really an agency to help people become better self-marketers. The group thought that that was a fine idea. There's always need for people who are good teachers who can help other people market themselves better. You can apply that to any, uh, both in general. You can apply it into big companies, small companies, professional services, all sorts of people. And especially with all the new tools these days, Instagram and you know Facebook groups and pay-per-click ads and things like this, podcasts like this one. There are lots of ways to market yourself, so there's definitely room for that kind of agency. Where we got stuck was why he thought he needed a co-founder. And his explanation was that he needed somebody um, to manage a team to build out a website that would essentially promote and sell the services that he's trying to offer as an agency. He's trying to offer like the best practices around social media and photography and videography, website building, and that kind of thing. So he needs he's thinking he needs a CTO to come in who can find an outsourced team, perhaps in India or, or Slovenia or the Philippines or somewhere that's less expensive than here in the United States. And that CTO can help manage the 
uh, production of the website and run the technology that will help them deliver. That's where he hit a wall with the group <laughs> because um, we didn't think he needed a co-founder. What we thought he needed was just a technical product manager, a project manager, sorry, project manager, somebody who can build and help him monitor a website because all he was really talking about was having a good website and running social media accounts. That's not enough work for a truly qualified technical co-founder, right? And why would you give somebody half your company on the other side uh, because you want to offer marketing advice? That's the sort of project that you could hire any number of other agencies to do. They could build you a website. They may or may not outsource it to um, somewhere less expensive. But there are lots of places you could go. Uh, many agencies, you could Google um, website development agency or you could go to upwork.com. Lots of folks who will build you a website and not require half the company for it, basically. Um, and you can even go direct, if you go on Upwork, for example, you can find places in Pakistan or the Philippines or Vietnam. People will build you those websites quite inexpensively, um, and you don't need a co-founder at all. What he needs, because he wasn't technically qualified enough, is somebody to ride herd on that, to manage the project for him. And that does sound like, oh, maybe a CTO, but not really a co-founder. So the point of this one for you folks who are listening is, if you're not technically qualified, you can hire that. You don't need to create a company with a partner who's going to do all that unless you're actually building real tech. If you're, if you're going to run a bunch of databases or you have um, some fancy responsive interactive content or marketing funnels or things like that or if you're creating new types of content like um, augmented reality or virtual reality maybe, right? Um, or ad targeting, things that require a lot of tracking and cross-referencing of information um, or personalization these are the sorts of things, or mobile device uh, interaction, app development, things like this. Things that are actually technical products could actually need a technical co-founder. But this gentleman, like many of you who are listening, I suspect, um, was really just trying to build a cool website so that he could market his services as a marketer. And that didn't sound to us anyway like he needed a full-on co-founder. So he could probably hire somebody or partner with somebody on a more limited basis rather than being a 50-50 partner as a co-founder. He may be able to um, pay them in equity or in future revenue share or in the different sorts of payment structures that we talked about at the top of this show. But it didn't require a full-on co-founder, and so we helped him think more about outsourcing on a limited basis to find more of a project manager who had technical skills uh, who could help him get to his new business to where he wanted it to be. All right, so there you go. Was that helpful for you? I hope so. I uh, spent about... Uh, 35 minutes here talking to you, and I hope it was. And um, if it was, would you please leave a review on iTunes or over on any of the other platforms? You can come and find me on Twitter or YouTube or uh, blogtalkradio.com, anything like that. If you'd like to hear more of episodes like this, talking about the real-world issues that entrepreneurs and startup founders and employees and wannabe entrepreneurs face, then I'd be happy to do it. But I could use a little encouragement, and I could use a little of your help in marketing. So if you could share that with me, I'll be happy to share another episode with you. In fact, I already have another episode. We held another meeting. This uh, discussion I just gave you is about a month old, and we had another one last week. So I can get another one in the can fairly soon. If you send me an email, radio at scottfox.com, radio 
at scottfox.com. Let me know your thoughts, and if you have questions, I'd be happy to address those as well. And in the meantime, please come and check out mastermindsforum.com and join us if you'd like more personal coaching about entrepreneurship from me, Scott Fox, and other readers of my books from all over the world. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you go out there and have a great day.